millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always and we're gonna do a little bit of a a a different preview today um i'm overbooked based on me just being uh i guess a trigger happy finger and not being too patient but anyways of course so we're gonna have a villa perspective at the start and then we're gonna go to a a opposition preview kind of prototypical thing that we always do on these previews at the very end with jack gill who uh, works with a a number of different uh liverpool outlets but of anyways I don't want to really talk for 10 minutes by myself. So I got my good friend here, Neil Dunworth. We haven't really chatted in a little while. He hasn't been on here in a little while. So what better day to get him on than prior to Liverpool? Because of course we face them on Saturday at Anfield. So without further ado, Neil, how you doing? I'm doing good, Cole. Yeah, it's good to catch up. Good to chat again. And uh, you know, what What better time to come on than to have the champions um, I have us going to the home of the champions where we are leading the tie 8-6 on aggregate, lest we forget we're leading 8-6 on aggregate as we go into the third leg of this tie, this wonderful tie that we have with, uh, with Liverpool this year and I'm looking forward to seeing what it brings. Yeah, honestly, I can't wait. I mean, you're, we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, 7-2 highlights kind of go on our Twitter feeds and social media feeds. And what if that could happen again or another gobsmacking kind of scoreline for Villa? I mean... I'm always I'm always up for the occasion. Hopefully, something like that does happen again. Uh, but I I mean, at the same point, I wouldn't be shocked if somehow we just get an absolute trolping somehow, and it kind of karma bites us. But you never know with these ones. But nonetheless, Neil, of course, if we look at this fixture as a whole, I mean, Liverpool, of course, midweek Champions League, they went three one down to Real Madrid. Of course, they still have that uh, home leg to come, of course. So that's in the back of their mind. And of course, we're coming off a 3-1 win over Fulham. Who knows what's going on with Super Jackie Grealish? We'll have to wait and see. And I'm not really holding my breath anymore to see if that kind of comes off on Saturday. But either way, there's just an open amount of possibilities really with this game, isn't there? Absolutely. I suppose there's there's open amount of possibilities, I think, more so from the Liverpool side, because uh, if you were to ask me to to pin the tail on the donkey with regards to while 11 uh, Jürgen Klopp's going to play, I couldn't tell you. Um, I could have a good guess of nine or 10 of the Villa players. Absolutely, no problem. Uh, I don't think we'll see Jack Grealish, but I could probably guess the team and it would be Trezeguet and for El Ghazi. Maybe we might see Marvellous Nakamba in there for Douglas Louise, considering taking Douglas Louise off was a small bit of a catalyst for... Uh, no, he was taken off, I think, because he was any yellow card, but uh, it was a small bit of a catalyst when he brought on Ramsey and so on. But, you know, you could make a good stab at the Villa team, but I genuinely could not tell you what midfield Jurgen Klopp is going to play. I, and, and I have a sneaking suspicion I wouldn't be able to tell you the back four 
Jurgen Klopp is going to play either. I think maybe you could see somebody like Ben Davis come in centre-half for them, somebody who hasn't got a lot of game time. And uh, obviously they had Bobby Firmino on the bench last uh, against Real Madrid. He might get a go up front. It really is very fluid in his team selection and what he has at his disposal, who he is going to play. And if he has one eye on the following Wednesday night, uh, back in Anfield, as you say, against, um, against Real Madrid, where... You know, don't discount that away goal that they have and one of those quote-unquote magical nights in Anfield. So I think Jurgen Klopp himself will look at the Champions League as um, as probably a bigger prize than beating Aston Villa. And I know people say, well, they need to get back into the Champions League positions in the league themselves. But, you know, beat Real Madrid, I think, would be heavy on their mind. Then they play the winners of Chelsea and Porto, most likely looking at, looking to be Chelsea after the first leg. And they would have to face their chances against Chelsea. Then you're into a Champions League final and anything can happen there against, against one of the teams from the other side. So from a, from a, a point of view of, of team selection, I have no idea what Jurgen Klopp is going to pick. But I do think he will pick with, with one eye in mind, uh, one eye uh, on the, the game against Real Madrid, considering that he has been known to, to rest players and, and, and to try and keep fatigue down. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that away goal, like you said there, Neil, it's massive. That, that, that can open up a lot of possibilities really for them. Yeah, you're still two goals down, but you say you get two quick goals back in that, that second leg there and you're absolutely laughing and kind of in cruise control with the other team just looking to press the heck out of you. And we all know what happens when teams can really high press. A lot of things can go poorly at the back as well. But really looking at Liverpool's game against Real Madrid, they're starting center backs. I mean, that's probably the biggest conundrum. I think they played Quebec and Phillips and on the bench, mm-hmm. I think they had just had, uh, was it uh, Ben Davies or I can't remember. They have yeah. a few Davies as well, but uh, it, it's really tough for them. But it, it, even without Jack Grealish in this game, I mean, the likes of Quebec, like I said, there and Phillips as well, you'd have to think that, Watkins, maybe even Trezeguet, a few others, maybe even John McGinn popping up with a potential another goal here against Liverpool. You'd have to like our odds against that centre-back pairing, especially because, of course, they're inexperienced in the Premier League, only a short time there, of course, since January. And I think the best thing of, of all is they really haven't played too much together. So when you're blending in a defense like that, and then you're also kind of having a makeshift uh, midfield with whoever they can really throw in. I know they're missing Jordan Henderson. That's a massive miss for them. And of course we know at the back Van Dyke's another massive one of as long as well, I should say as Joe Gomez too. So we all know what their attack is. I don't really think we need to really go over that because Diogo Jota of course is back and he's fit and firing as well. So that's something to take in mind as well, but we're going to have to go in this game, Neil, with absolute confidence. I mean, why wouldn't we, right? I think so. Um, like Liverpool have lost last six of their last seven uh, home games. Actually, I think they've lost all six of their last home games. Um, some, some really strange stat. It's they, back to around Christmas time um, that they, they've lost a lot of games at home. Um, I'm not saying that we go into this sh- sure of ourselves or that we go into this thinking that we can come away with a win. But I think we can go into this game knowing that you know, provided that we play uh, a certain way, i.e. draw our fullbacks forward, which Real Madrid did, stay condensed in the middle of midfield, which they did with Kroos, um, Modric and Casemiro, and then spray the ball wide as quick as possible. Easier said than done when you don't have Jack Grealish, in, or when you have Jack Grealish on the field, it's easy. When you, when you don't, it's easier said than done, should I say. But look, we, we I'm not going to say we wrote the, the blueprint on how to beat Liverpool when we beat them 7-2. But what we did was was 
just that. We drew their, their fullbacks forward. We attacked down their right-hand side at will behind Trent Alexander-Arnold. And we got, we got good joy out of it. Um, do I think we can do it this week? I, 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 I'm not sure. But the back four, as I say, you would have to fancy your chances against them. Saying that, their, their two fullbacks could create two goals in the blink of an eye for Liverpool. They're both supremely talented going forward. And Andy Robertson is brilliant going back. I just think that Trent Alexander-Arnold, and not just saying it because of the game he had against Real Madrid, I just think sometimes he's very lax in defence. He would, like, I'm sure I'm not the only person that's ever said this. You turn him into a Gareth Bale of the right-hand side type player whereby you put him in, or in a more advanced role and maybe get a, a more sturdy right back in there. That could shore things up there. But... It's like, like he's someone you can get in behind and Real Madrid do that. And, and I think we've got the horses to do that. Even if we play Trezeguet there, he's all action and, and he's all endeavour. So, you know, could be something that we could see at the weekend. But Ollie Watkins moving in around the centre of that, that defence, dropping off the, the shoulder of especially Phillips because he's more of a, more dominant in the air. And Kabak is probably someone who likes to play it along the ground more. I think Ollie Watkins can have, can have a good day in there as well. But for me... I think everything that we've said there is all pivotal on what and who we play in that role behind Ollie Watkins in that number 10 position. If we have an effervescent John McGinn like we did the last day, I'll be very, very happy. If we have a Morgan Sanson up there, I'd be happy. You know what? I'd even be happy to have Ross Barkley there because I think Ross Barkley would bring his A game playing against Liverpool, obviously being an Evertonian himself. I think we could see something from him, but... That's going to be probably the question area for me. Who's in there? What way do we set? What way do we set up in that midfield tree? Do we go with the Real Madrid approach where we condense it down in the middle of midfield, um, or do we go with more of the the blatant counter attack approach whereby we like we did in the seven two where we keep Ross Barkley a bit more um, advanced beside Ali Watkins and break a pace from the wings? It's going to be enthralling, and uh, there are ways we can win this game for sure. Oh, absolutely. And to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if we see both teams score, especially on Saturday. I mean, it's interesting Mm -hmm. what you said, Neil, about the whole home perspective for for Liverpool at Anfield, because they're an absolute fortress for who feels like forever. And then I think this season alone, they've lost to Brighton, Fulham and Burnley at home, uh, just to name a few. And uh, of course, a couple of those teams are teams that we didn't have the greatest results again against this year, of course, Mm. but nonetheless, we've also had some successes there as well. And it's, it's interesting because you'd probably think if fans were allowed in stadiums, it's a packed out Anfield, it's a lot more difficult. And I think an empty Anfield has really, I mean, this kind of applies for a lot of teams really when they're playing at home. It just, it doesn't really feel like a home game, even though you're at home. So I I think that's kind of a a momentum kind of wave that Villa could ride in the sense that, you know what, there's no one heckling you. There's no pressure there. You can go there and do your job. And I, I think that's something some people don't even really think about anymore. We're just so used to there being no fans and thinking, you know what, they're probably used to it, but you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if some of those Liverpool players came out and said you know what it's it's so hard to really get up for say a a Burnley game when there's no one in here or whoever else like there's so much so many things really I should say that kind of go into that that mentality aspect but I guess what the one thing maybe we'll kind of talk about here quickly before we get to score predictions and we'll get over to uh, Jack with the opposition kind of point of view just before you get out, yeah. I, I just I think you've got a really good point there that there are some clubs that may struggle with this a bit more because 
look, every every fan base thinks that they've got a passionate fan base. Aston Villa is a really passionate fan base. Liverpool is like it's the lifeblood of that part of the city. You know, they've been through tragedies and tri- tribulations, and it's an identity for people in and around that that part of the world. You know, to be a Liverpool fan, you see Newcastle. Newcastle fans are like like say what you like about Steve Bruce and all and all that's going on at that club, but you know you can't knock their fans. They 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 pack fifty thousand in there every single week. You've like for some teams it's not a massive deal. Like Chelsea have a lot of tourists, you know, in London come and see their games. Same with Arsenal, United. You know they all have good fan bases, yes, but their their stadia are probably built towards the transient fan coming in and out, whereas. You know, you try and get a ticket. You try and look to go and get a ticket in the home end in Anfield. Yeah, good luck. You, you know, you, you, yeah, good luck. And same, same in uh, in uh, in Saint James's Park as well. So that is a good point. That you know, it it it's it's like even when Liverpool came back after Project Restart, they kind of spluttered a small bit afterwards. And uh, as I say, Newcastle are languishing around the bottom of the league. But I think maybe they might have picked up one or two more points if they had if they had the fans behind the goals to kind of suck the ball into the into the net as well. So it is a good point. I don't think it's affected everybody though. I think it's I think sometimes for for a lot of teams it's been a, a monkey off their back. But uh, yeah, you know, for it's it's definitely a point we're talking about, especially with the likes of Liverpool and trying to you know get that extra ten percent as you come into the end of games or even trying to get up to for a Burnley or for a, and that's no disrespect to them, but you know for a team at that at that side of the table that you feel you should be beating. Oh yeah, I know. And I, I think the one thing that's kind of funny, I think it's kind of almost like a fan cop out thing since a lot of people, no one's there anymore, of course, in the stands. So we can say, well, you they weren't up for this game because X player didn't do this or Y player didn't do this. And because, and it's, it's kind of funny you think of that because I can think of a number of Villa performance at Villa Park and yeah, I can only hear it on TV, but you can hear mm. the anger sometimes and you can probably think, you know what, it probably put one or two of those players down. So it works both ways, but Neil, we mm-hmm. know what's probably going to happen with Dean Smith's side, of course. We all probably want to see this happen, but I doubt it will maybe as a substitution again, and who knows if it'll work. But if if the opportunity was there, I guess you could say, would you like to see an upfront two of Keenan Davis and Ollie Watkins start this game? Because, I mean, yes, it's Fulham, but I mean, against the centre-back pairing of Liverpool, the way they're struggling defensively, I mean, it wouldn't hurt really, would it? Um, Do I want us to start 4-4-2? Uh, it's, it's tricky. It's honestly, if, it's tricky. Well, put it this way: if you were to ask me this question tomorrow, I'd probably have a different opinion on it. <laughs> um, it, I think the so actually the, the real question. So actually, the question I just asked myself is wholly different to the question you asked me. You asked me should Keenan Davis and Ali Watkins start up front. I interpreted it as four four two, but four four two could be Ali Watkins and Raul starting up front. You know, there's, yeah. I think that's where I'm. That's why I'm kind of a small bit stuck. Keenan Davis came on and was brilliant last week. You know, you can't take anything away from him. Absolutely really can't. Um, there's an argument to be made to play 4-4-2 at some stage this season to see if, number one, Ollie Watkins pr- thrives in that, considering we will be getting Wesley back potentially at some some stage. But more so, the fact that we are going to buy a striker this summer and can he play up front with somebody else in the Premier League, I think is a legitimate question. I, I wholeheartedly think he can. Um, but... Can he do it? It maybe Dean Smith needs to see it. Maybe he needs to actually see it. See it with his own two eyes. The the four four two formation is it's it's kind of romanticized. I think an awful lot by mm-hmm. um by people of definitely my vintage. 
in my mid thirties. I think it is. It's very much romanticized because that's all we ever saw. Um, but I don't think it, is is it a tactic that is without flaws? I don't know. But once again, I'm one. I'm absolutely off the question that you asked me there. Does Keenan Davis <laughs> start good. in front of him? I, I I don't think so because I think that Keenan Davis would. Uh, I, I think maybe the change of pace that potentially Keenan Davis could give us up there are the fact that, you know, you run them into the ground and you bring them in to batter them, uh, to wear them down a small bit more. I think that had more of an effect on Fulham than, uh, than anything else because what it allowed us to do was to change formation mid-game and tired bodies, tired minds allowed Ollie Watkins and Trezeguet to get in at the back post for, for all the goals, essentially, that we had. And I think that that was pivotal, the fact that, that uh, you had somebody that was occupying people and that they were losing, then other people were losing the likes of Wally, Ollie Watkins and, and Trezeguet because they had a bit more positional freedom. So for me, just the level of a player that, that Keenan Davis is overall, I think he's better bringing him on to bamboozle the defence from the point of view of allowing people to, to swarm around him and use him as, as that pivot point. But to start him, I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that it would be a disaster. I would just... I'd like to see it in a different a different caliber of game than to see it against Liverpool. Yeah, and I mean, it's tricky too. You look at our depth as well. If something like, I don't even want to think of something happening to another striker, to be honest. Yeah. It, it's risky with depth-wise as well. Who knows if Wes, if we'll even honestly see Wesley this season at this point, to be honest. I, I, I Honestly, that's one of the toughest injuries you can ever come back from. And we already know that it's been delayed with kind of further issues as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully we do, but. I mean, it doesn't hurt. And you know what? Against inexperienced Liverpool defenders that haven't really been there for a long time, haven't kind of, I wouldn't say that camaraderie, but kind of had that link-up play as of yet, that unity together, it, it doesn't hurt to stick them on and say the 65th minute and just use them as an absolute battering mm-hmm. ram to see what happens. But uh, Neil, before, like I said before, before we throw it over to uh, Jack, could I get your score prediction, please? I'm going to go one all draw. I think this. I, I think that both teams, I think looking at Liverpool, wanting to continue their rich rich history in the Champions League, um, it's a guaranteed way back into the Champions League again. Plus you also get some get some silverware. Um, I think that they would be happy with a one-all draw. Um, and I think we would, I, I think Dean Smith would snap your hand off for a one-all draw. Saying that, a 1-0 win to Aston Villa brings us on le- level on points and level on games played, provided that Everton don't win their game at the weekend. Brings us uh, level on points played and level on games played with two games to play against Everton. And that gives us a good springboard to maybe attack that final final um, that, that final European place. But, you know, my head says 1-0 Villa. We could have a smash and grab like we did against Arsenal, score early and protect the lead. But my heart says that Liverpool will score. And, and, and I think that we'll see a much changed Liverpool team. And uh, I think it'll be one-all draw. Brilliant. I mean, uh, I give my, my score prediction in my chat with Jack. So I'll leave that uh, till the end of the podcast. So if anyone cares about that, you can hear that in the second half of this. But uh, Neil, thank you so much for joining me. It's always good chatting with you. And uh, if you'd feel free, uh, go ahead and plug whatever you'd like right now. Yeah. Th- look, thanks a million for, for asking me to come on. Look, we have our own podcast uh, for the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. And uh, we started doing a small bit on YouTube. Uh, we kind of, uh, we decided we got, both of us have Paddy got tons of plastic surgery and we feel uh, an awful lot more confident now of being in front of the camera. So uh, check it out. You'll find out for the Love of Pomegranate pod, um, podcast on YouTube as well. And um, yeah, as I say, 
once you're done listening to the guys, you know, here in the whole cast, come on over to us and you can hear our Irish voices as well uh, on, uh, on For the Love of Paul McGrath. Absolutely. It's my, uh, not to be biased, it's my second favorite podcast. I have to always say my my first is mine. I just, it, it would be a little bit biased <laughs> if I didn't. But uh, anyways, like I said before, Neil, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, we'll, uh, I guess you guys will hear from me in a second in my conversation with Jack Gill. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Opposition Preview Series. Of course, before you would have heard me and Neil Dunworth kind of preview the game ahead of kickoff at Anfield on Saturday. But of course, to get onto the Opposition portion, we do need a Liverpool fan, and that being Jack Gill. Jack, how you doing? Um, I'd be better, mate, uh, if it weren't for that horrendous uh, result and performance on, on Tuesday night. Um, and also, we don't really have a good history recently against Aston Villa, do we? So, yeah, not feeling too good at the minute, but all could change in, in the space of a week. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, you guys battered our uh, our children. So if you feel a little bit better there, I guess maybe that's <laughs> some kind of perspective to feel a little bit more positive. But as always, let's uh, let's start with the Liverpool perspective, of course. Um, it, it's easy to say there, there's kind of no understatement when you say your season really hasn't gone to plan, but with the amount of especially defensive injuries you guys have had. It's been absolutely ridiculous. But from your perspective, what are your thoughts on it? And if there really are any issues, where do they lie with you? I I absolutely hate excuses. But, you know, this season, there's been a a few things that have been the issue for Liverpool. Firstly, no one can underestimate how important uh, Virgil van Dijk is for us. And and to be without him for the majority of the season has hit us hard, uh, especially defensively. Um, I think, you know, there's been injuries elsewhere too. We've missed Jordan Henderson massively in our midfield. Um, You know, there's a thing in football that that seems to underrate Jordan Henderson and and Liverpool fans ourselves did that up until a a couple of years ago. But he is pivotal uh, and his record when he plays in midfield for, for Liverpool in the last couple of years speaks for for itself Cole and you know we've really struggled without without him in the midfield too and you know we saw the impact of moving Fabinho back into midfield after playing a a number of games at the back and Jordan Henderson coming back in into midfield would be huge for us and you know I honestly think we would have breezed past Real Madrid in in this Champions League tie um, had we had Jordan Henderson in midfield um, I also believe that, you know, players are very tired. They've had to perform at a very, very high level, uh, you know, a, a top level for the last couple of years. We haven't had much investment in the squad. Um, we don't have the squad options that the likes of, you know, Chelsea, United, Manchester City have. Um, so, you know, it's been a mixture of things, an, an amalgamation of things, Cole. But at the end of the day, it's it's no no excuse, really. We should be doing a lot better than we are. And, um, you know, the situation we're in right now where we're battling for top four with eight games to go and it looks unlikely, though possible still, um, it's it's not where Liverpool should be. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of even touch upon what you said there, losing key figures within your squad, if you think about it, you have Van Dyke just absolutely coordinating, leading that defense. And then you look at your midfield, you lose that midfield general. So within obviously two key areas of the pitch, you lose some very important people. And you know what? I think as a Villa fan in a lesser extent, we can kind of appreciate that as well. Being without Jack Grealish for almost the last what feels like two or so months almost now. 
it, it feels like a lifetime and it, it can even feel like, you know what, a, a scrappy win here and there might not even feel good enough in those kind of circumstances as well. But of course, at time of recording, Liverpool are seventh on 49 points. I mean, still two points out. And I mean, I think Villa are ninth on 44. So with a game on hand. So if somehow we did the league double over you this season, we're kind of right back in the thick of things in terms of Europa League hopefuls. I'm not writing that on at all. I still don't think that's going to happen. And I still think it's too early. But nonetheless, to get back to Liverpool, I guess, where do you think you guys will finish this season? I mean, it's kind of going right to the wire. We already know that West Ham are basically the surprise package of the season. Chelsea look pretty well, almost undefeatable. You should say that maybe I should have said that maybe before the the West Brom game, of course. And then you have Spurs in there as well, who are just kind of up and down and all over the place. But from your perspective as a Liverpool fan, where do you guys think you'll finish? Well, last weekend was huge for us. Uh, You know, during the international break, people were ruling us out and saying that we had to put all our eggs in the Champions League basket. But, you know, I said something constantly um, and that, you know, we shouldn't rule out top four and and we should be, you know, attempting to to play across both fronts and and desperately try and get Champions League football next season, however uh, possible. Um, And then, of course, last weekend was... As I say, a huge weekend for us. You know, results went our way. We beat Arsenal very comfortably and things were looking good. Um, I, though, still think that uh, top four is unlikely. Um, I just have a feeling we, we're just going to miss out and, and finish fifth. Um, but with that being said, it is very, you know, it's very possible as finishing in the top four. Chelsea still have Manchester City to play, I believe. Um, quite a few of, of the sides in and around us have to play each other, whereas we only have to play Manchester United. Um, but for me, Cole, this weekend is absolutely huge for Liverpool because, you know, for us to bounce back after that horror show in, in Madrid, as I say, and, and to get three points against the side that we struggled against earlier on in the season. I thought Dean Smith got his tactics spot on, even though we were abysmal defensively that day. Um, it, it was a tactically fantastic um, display as, as far as Villa are concerned. Um, and, you know, for, for me, I honestly think to get three points on the board, um, at the weekend could be one of the biggest um, moments of the season for, for Liverpool Football Club because, you know, our current form at Anfield is, is poor. We come into it off the back of a, a defeat in Madrid uh, and, you know, we're, we're on a bit of a low at the moment. We were shocking um, in, in midweek. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a massive weekend for us. I really do. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I mean, even from our standpoint, we still have no clue if Jack Rilish is going to play. I feel like I've kind of give up, given up on kind of just guessing what's going to go on from a week-to-week basis because it's, it's a touch-and-go thing. But uh, you were going to say something, sorry? Yeah, I, I do want to talk about Jack Grealish because yeah. he's a player that, you know, I admire massively. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a huge boost for us if he's not back at, at the weekend. I do think he, he will be back. Uh, I think it's probably Villa keeping their cards close to their chest and, you know, keeping it a secret for now. Um, but it would be a big boost for you lot to have him back too, as you say. We talk about Liverpool, but it's an important time in the season for Villa too. And, and though Europa League is, is probably unlikely, um, for you lot, it's it's still very much possible. And with a player like Jack Grealish, who for me is is one of you know the, the best players in the league, uh, I really, really rate Jack Grealish. And it's going to be a task for you lot to keep him in the summer. But, you know, it, it would be a huge boost for you lot to have him uh, the weekend in, in what is a big game for both sides. Oh, massively. I mean, he did post a video. Um, of course, we're recording this on a Thursday. People hear it on a Friday. 
So I think he posted on a Wednesday, um, him on a bike with uh, look like some kind of trainer or someone with the physio team or something. And we haven't really seen those being publicized often. So hopefully that's sign of uh, good things to come nonetheless. But I guess, Jack, getting right into this game, I mean, we know what it means for the Liverpool perspective and people will know from the Villa perspective that listen to this podcast week on week. But I mean... I guess to go into kind of my kind of zone for a moment, it's it's going to be an interesting one because we've turned the kind of chapter in terms of shifting a lot of goals. We haven't really been absolutely smashed this season except for maybe uh, the freak result against Leeds where it, it could have been anyone's game and then one goal just basically told all really there and then things fall, fell apart for a few minutes but aside from that it hasn't been anything absolutely too crazy I mean you will have your results against Manchester City and the likes of those teams where okay maybe you lose two or three nil or whatever it is but you don't really go into those with much faith but when you look at this side in particular and like you said before going into Anfield is there one kind of aspect when you look at our side and say you know what we can get at them through this kind of opportunity or this opportunity? Villa are a side that, you know, I've actually uh, admired this season. Um, I thought your recruitment in the summer after a, a dreadful uh, summer of, of recruitment when you first came back into the Premier League, I thought your recruitment this summer was was outstanding. M- Matty Cash has settled in superbly. He's a player that I really, really like. Um, a really underrated player for Aston Villa, I think, too. You've obviously got Jack Grealish, who I think has, has grown into his role, really grown it, into being back in the Premier League. And as I say, he's, he's a world-class player, in my opinion. Ollie Watkins, what a signing he was. Um, it was a gamble, but one that's paid off um, for Villa. And, you, you know, the the lone sign of Barkley, I personally really like Traore as, as well for Aston Villa. Um, so there were some very good signs. There's Esri Concert too, who I think just gets better and better um, every, every time I watch him play for, for Aston Villa. So, you know, they're, they're a side that I, I think this has been a very good season for, for Aston Villa because you've put yourselves on the map. You've improved so much from, from last season already. You brought in some some good players off the, not a good player, sorry, good um, staff off the field um, last uh, last summer. And, you know, your recruitment is only going to get better. You've got a um, owner who, who likes to back the manager. Dean Smith is a very good coach as well. So I think things for, for, for you and for, from your perspective, Cole, um, I think things will probably look good for Villa fans and, you know, you keep being linked with some some top players as well. So, uh, yeah, I think from a Villa standpoint, this season has, has been a decent one and I expect Villa to, to improve again in the summer. Well, fair enough. It makes me feel all that much better about uh, our chances on Saturday, of course. But I guess to to look from your perspective, if there's one area of concern in the Liverpool side right now, where does that lie with you? <laughs> uh, it's hard to pick one at the minute, Cole. Um, <laughs> I set you up there uh, a little you... bit. <laughs> uh, obviously, defensively, um, it, for, for a while, it's been a, a bit of a worry. Uh, and as I said at the start of this podcast you know we we took two steps forwards and then five back uh just in, in that Real Madrid game uh you know our recent defensive form was was quite good going into that game and then we looked absolutely shocking defensively against Real Madrid and you know that that back four is is a bit of a worry for me um also the form of Sadio Mane um he obviously was pivotal um in in our game against Villa at Villa Park last season 
but at the minute his form is, is woeful and he's not looked the same since missing the Villa game at Villa Park this season through COVID. Um, you know, he's he struggled this season, he really has, and he was dreadful in, in Madrid in, in midweek too. So I wonder if he'll get a rest uh, against Villa at the weekend. Um, we've not been, at, been you know, our free scoring um, selves this season either, so that's another worry. Um, but yeah, as I say, mate, um, I think I speak uh, for, for a lot of Liverpool fans in saying that I am kind of worried going into this Villa game with our current form at Anfield, with how we performed in, in, in midweek on Tuesday night. Um, but, you know, this one game could change how we feel because it's a big weekend. Some teams around us have some big games too. Obviously, you said before that Villa yourselves aren't too far off us. Um, so, yeah, three points huge for us this weekend. Absolutely. Well, Jack, before we wrap things up here, I always ask this and feel free to be as bold in this prediction as you want. But uh, could I get a score prediction, please? Score prediction. Um, I'm going to say 3-2 to Liverpool. Um, I think there's goals in this game, uh, as there seem to be uh, earlier on in the season at Villa Park. Um, But yeah, I think we'll just pick you 3-2. That's fair. I mean, aside from Fulham, we've really struggled to score for the last little bit. So you know what? Even if it was a a loss with some decent goals in it, you know what? Some fans might take that, even though I'm sure a a majority would probably lose their mind still no matter what happens. But that is football. Of course, there's not much reasoning when it comes to watching your team week on week. But anyways, um, I'm going to go for, hmm, I'll go 2-1 Villa. Why not? I'll go for a win. I'll I'll take that gladly. Do I think it's going to happen? Hard to say. Thinking more with my heart than my head, but nonetheless, that is what it is to be a Villa fan. But anyways, Jack, uh, actually, before we wrap things up, if you want to uh, plug any of your socials, uh, feel free to go ahead. Yeah, so um, on Twitter, obviously, I'm at Jack LFC Gill. Um, I do lots of different things for different uh, Liverpool pages, but one that Villa fans may be interested in is I run an Academy uh, Twitter account and YouTube account called um, Just the Academy. Uh, it was formerly Redmen Academy, but we've broadened our horizons and, and we talk all about Academy football. So if people are interested in that, we've done a lot before about the likes of, you know, Louis Barry and, and stuff like that. Um, I know Villa have some very, very good players coming through. Jacob Ramsey is a player who I really admire and I've heard about his little brother too, who is apparently better than him. So yeah, check that out if if you can. And, and yeah, hopefully you like it. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know there's a few, at least a few uh, people that listen to this podcast and previous conversations that like the kind of academies uh, set up kind of following youth team, future stars and all that kind of stuff with prospects. So I'm sure they'll definitely give that a look, but Jack, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at talk Aston Villa. You can tweet the team at 7,500 to Holt. If you want to email the podcast for any reason, it's Holtcast at gmail.com of course if you're listening on apple podcast spotify wherever you get your pods feel free to uh, follow subscribe leave a review it just makes it easier for other people to follow us but anyways we'll wrap it up there hopefully a positive result on saturday because we know how tough man city will be uh midweek the following week but anyways we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.